Hello and welcome to this regular old edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I'm Lee Carlo. With me today, Chapin Hemingway and Jeremy Fisk. We're here today to discuss Little Women, the movie Little Women, directed by Greta Gerwig, starring Saoirse Ronan, Florence Pugh, Timothy Chalamet, and a little-known actress, Meryl Streep. Uh, we're going to spend a good amount of time talking about that. I've got plenty for the guys to ponder and think about and discuss. And then we are going to top everything off with our top five performances by said Meryl Streep. I'm working on a novel. It is a story of my life and my sister's. Make it short and spicy. And if the main character is a girl, make sure she's married by the end. Ow, Joe! I want to be an artist in Rome and be the best painter in the world. That's what you want too, isn't it, Joe, to be a famous writer? Yes, but it sounds so crass when she says it. My girls have a way of getting into mischief. Well, so do I. This is Meg, Amy, Beth, and Joe. I intend to make my own way in the world. No one makes their own way. Least of all a woman. You'll need to marry well. But you are not married, aren't you? Well, that's because I'm rich. All right, gentlemen. Um, I've got a bunch of stuff that I want to discuss with you. Obviously, the movie Little Women. I want to talk a little bit about Greta Gerwig. I want to talk about the actors in this movie. But I'm going to start here because this is always something that I've thought about and I noticed it in particularly before this movie began. I think you can tell a lot about the movie you're about to see by the trailers that precede it. And... Uh, I don't remember all of them, but I did write down four of the movies that uh, I saw trailers for before Little Women. They were Call of the Wild with Harrison Ford, which seems to be playing a trailer before every single movie now. The SpongeBob movie, mm-hmm. P- Peter Rabbit 2. Yep, I got that. And a, and a movie I don't remember the name of, but it was about a Christian rock singer with a terminally ill fiance. I didn't so, have any of those trailers. I'm happy for you then, Chapin, because the first thing I thought was that I felt like Greta Gerwig, perhaps women in general, and actually really probably anybody who went to see this movie should have been insulted by those trailers, assuming the fact that, you know, this is the audience that they think has come to see Little Women. How much um, do you think that has to do with it, it simply it's just because being it's rated PG? PG yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's really so, that's the long and the short of it. Which I totally right. sort of forgot about when watching the movie, and we're, and were disappointed when you left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was hoping for more decapitations. It was weird. <laughs> um, well, anyway, um, that's a, the 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 whether or not we should be insulted by those trailers is besides the point. I think maybe some of those movies existing should be insulting to us. But um, what I'm getting at with this is that. The fact that I, I really had no relationship to the story Little Women going in, um, I think that's probably true for you guys and most men our age. I think it's generally considered a, a story that is geared towards women. Um, but I'm wondering book, what... Though. Did you read the book? No, but I mean, you could have. No, of course, but I don't think that it's necessarily targeted to us, and I don't think generally, you know, men in their, their 30s, we're in our 30s. 30s, early um, 30s. Are, are have a relationship, a former relationship with this story. But I'm wondering um, what Greta Gerwig did with this movie, or if you really just want to credit uh, the author of Little Women, Louisa May Alcott, um, what they do here that makes this story universal, or maybe it's not, and you can respond that way, um, but what makes this movie 
appeal to a wider audience than just you know the the SpongeBob Peter Rabbit two and Christian Rock uh, singer with terminally ill fiance audience. That's a really interesting question. Um, I think uh, one thing I thought about when this movie came out, um, we knew we were going to review it, but it, 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 it's been out a while, right? Like the movie came out. Christmas, right? Yeah, around Christmas. Um, and it got these great reviews. And I was thinking, you know, about, I, I remember, I don't think I've seen it, but I remember the um, Little Women that came out in 1994. You know, the Christian Bale version. Christian Bale playing the Timothy Chalamet <laughs> role, um, and uh, Winona Ryder is in it. Um, Claire Danes is in it. A young Kiki Dunst is in it. Um, Ooh, Kiki. And <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was thinking, like, you know, we spend so much time on this podcast, like, lamenting how Hollywood has gotten so bad and we talk shit about the industry. I think rightly so a lot of the time, you know, the Marvelification of everything, the sequelization, everything, the uh, move of the industry to, you know, make more money and, you know, reboot everything. We've talked about that endlessly. And then, but I, I do have to say, I, I, I thinking about little women and, and knowing that it's gotten these great reviews, it's gotten these Oscar nominations and it was given to um, Greta Gerwig to, to direct. I, I feel like that is something that has, ch- that is one of the few things that has changed positively, um, you know, in the last 20 years or so, or 20 or 30 years um, that, you know, you know, you no longer have these like sort of frivolous book adaptations coming out. I, I don't know much about that little women, but I, as for, from what I've heard about it, it's kind of, you know, not a very important or significant movie. It wasn't very good. And I think the one credit you can give to these, um, to Hollywood these days is that they don't tend to like take these significant books and adapt them into sort of meaningless movies like they once did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I think that really deserves some credit. Like I I, I, I like um, that Sony actually kind of uh, reached out to a um, you know an auteur in a sense to to well Gerwig uh, wrote the script. Yeah, no, that's I, I know that, and and that's what I mean. Like they reached out to, to a writer director and said adapt this and do something interesting right. with it. And I don't think I think you know even in 1994. People were adapting movies just just to, you know adapting these kind of historical books just to do it because it was a, a you know and so maybe the fact that now there's every comic book character available to make a movie of they're putting some time and thought and care into selecting who makes these movies I don't know if that's an answer necessarily to your question but to me well, yeah, it, I mean, it's an think- appeal to me like when when I see a classic book adaptation I know that there's at least going to be some thought behind it and that it's not going to be... And there's some be, importance to it. Exactly. Importance to the subject matter. Sure, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, and to, to piggyback onto that, uh, Chapin, that also means that there was a lot of sort of pressure on Greta Gerwig to do it that way, you know, to not just do a formulaic sort right. of Absolutely. adaptation. So. And, and the fact that we're talking about it the way we are, I think, is uh, we're sort of skirting around the fact that she did an outstanding job with this. And again, I didn't know, I didn't watch the 94 version, I hadn't read the book, I didn't know anything really about Little Women going into it. Um, and this movie sort of captures your attention from the get-go, but it also captures your attention uh, from the filmmaking aspect mm. of it. 
and I sort of I, I after the fact, uh, Sarah, my wife, uh, re- like told me, uh, you know, a little backstory on the book and and, a, and the other movie, and you know the way that it was. Uh, the way this movie was nonlinear, the way it was edited, uh, the way that certain characters were portrayed are different. Right, there's a lot this, of differences, yeah. Than they are in the book and, and in that 1994 version, and they are very cinematic differences and differences that make a huge difference in differences that, like you said, a, a, a seasoned auteur director really uh, will be able to pull off as she did. So I think... Not only did they give her the chance to do this and say, hey, go with it and do what you want with it, but she also had to pull that off because if not, then that's, you know, unfortunately going to be a sort of a stain on, on that legacy. Right. Well, we should say quickly, the the origin, the, the book, which is actually published in, in two parts in, in the UK, was, you know, essentially divided in half, one taking place early in these girls lives when they were you know teenagers and then one i think what like 10 years later yeah and this Whereas movie, this movie just cut, cut back, back and, and forth. forth between those which hadn't been done before okay um i want to table the timeline conversation a little bit because that is a pretty significant piece of this movie and i think can have an impact on how you feel about it and i'm actually going to move a topic i had up in the conversation here because we're already broaching it and that's greta gerwig mm-hmm. as a director um I liked Lady Bird quite a bit. Yeah. And I think everybody did. It did really well uh, financially at the box office. It did really well in award season, critically. Uh, it was on a lot of top lists of that year, a lot of people's favorite movie of that year. Um, and needless to say, like we've mentioned, Little Women is doing really well. And But I, was, I still sort of was scratching my head. I was just like, okay, Greta Gerwig made one good movie. Yeah. As a director. I like her as an actress in a few things, but also not like a significant actress. And I was sort of like, okay, where is this love for Greta Gerwig coming from? What is this based on? And I think maybe now, like, if you can try to separate yourself from like post Little Women, going into this movie, how did you guys feel about her? Like, did I you feel no... she was deserving of the <laughs> of the praise that she was getting? And like, you were talking to her about like, let you're both kind of say like, let's go get a good auteur director to direct Little Women. Well, that's not Greta Gerwig. So, well, Lee, I mean, I think I, I think you. I mean, she is a good auteur director. No, I, guess, I agree, but, but I mean, I not think, established. I think you're downplaying a little bit Lady Bird, like like that film. I, I might be, look. I like her. I'm not trying. I'm no, no, no. Sort no of I, I'm not doing I, this no, for argument's sake. I, I totally understand what you're saying. Like she, she's definitely not established by any means. Um, it's only her second film. It's her second mm-hmm. film. She's written three or f- a couple movies with uh, Noah Baumbach, but um, you know that film did very well financially, and then it got all these Oscar nominations. Was she? Do we know? Was she nominated for best director? I think she was. No. Right? Are you sure? Not, I'm oh, gonna find for out right this now. or, or Lady Bird. Uh, for yeah, Lady so Bird. she was direct. She was nominated for best director. I think she was right and yeah, screenplay and screen and original screenplay. And I mean, I think. Um, so that's why I was excited. Certainly, when she got this this thing, I, I mean, I, I I agree with you. I think one of the things I wanted to talk about in relation to Greta Gerwig was how she sort of evolved from, you know, where she began with Noah Baumbach as kind of a you know under his thumb, for lack of a better word. But um, 
you know, as tutelage her, under, under his, his tutelage. tutelage. <laughs> I just think like, I mean, I agree. He's sexist. I, I agree that it's like a, it's a, it was a risk to give her this movie, but I also think it's like a huge step forward that even Noah Baumbach hasn't must been able to muster, which is like, I mean, you could you can see how a film like Lady Bird could have it comes from the Bombach school, right? It's very autobiographical. Yeah. It's got that kind of um, funny pitter patter dialogue. Um, you see his influence in there a lot, but this film, they're married for our, any audience members who, oh uh, yeah, know. they're together, Gerwig and yeah. Noah Bombach, yeah, um, or they're together, yeah. And and but you see this film, and it's still it's got these like I think very as we said a tour touches, but also it's this adaptation and it's like you know every i love noah bombach i love the way he he's autobiographical in his films but he's never been able to do this and i think that that's a right. huge step and forward what do you mean by her. this like what it would like to find, you, what is find this? a way to like take what's important to you as a filmmaker what's autobiographical for you as a filmmaker but subvert it and find a way into to, a different movie into yeah. a different type of movie a movie but that also, maybe d- has by a wider this, appeal do you mean yeah sort of more hollywood more glossy well i i but i mean that that kind of cheapens it i think it a more I universal story yeah, a universal story something an adaptation i mean like i don't think we've ever seen um noah bombach make a movie that's not you know set in you know two places well, that we, he spent time you know like we talked about that on the marriage story podcast all okay, his movies so are just a, about different generations of the same people <laughs> but what's i guess what i'm trying to get at is, is the core of our argument which i don't know what it is i'm sort of prying um but i guess it shows that she's more versatile than he is okay um, but what is this like it is it because this movie can speak to more people that makes it sort of better or is it just like I think it's a better like movie. The, like where I think like, it's a different kind of movie than Lady Bird. I think all of Bombach's movies are imis- like unmistakably Bombach movies. And Little Women and all Lady Scorsese Bird movies are pretty much Scorsese movies. Yeah, and actually this was something I I I wrote down. I actually oddly wrote it down about Saoirse Ronan more so than Greta Gerwig, but you know, Oh, I, by I the way, gonna, how much better would she have been in Gangs in New York? Era? At her age, then, um, uh, what's her name? Um, Cameron Diaz. Cameron, Cameron Diaz? Diaz, yeah. <laughs> what a weird thing Weird that you went there. <laughs> I um, just think she's like, okay, I hate polish, Cameron Diaz and po- Gangs of New York, and I think she's perfect for who would, it. Who would want to improve Gangs of New York at all? That movie's lost. Forget it. Um, yeah, I, I look, you make a good point. Like, Scorsese movies are unmistakably, unmistakably, I don't know why you wanted to say unmistakably, it's not a word. It's going to be a get your film fix word. Um, are unmistakably Scorsese movies, and there and there's something about being an auteur that has that. But it's not just the the style and the direction of Bombbox movies. It's the characters and the story are always very very similar. Where Greta Gerwig has done something different here with with her characters and her story. But w- what really made me kind of think about like her the, the way people were getting excited about her second movie was interesting because she's actually the third at least the third director this year third significant director who has their second movie coming out this year we had us earlier in the year right we had midsummer earlier in the year and both of those movies i think people will be like oh i'm interested to see what they do next that's great but here we were, were we've even been saying it like great auteur director 
put given the reins to little women. Perfect. And it just seems like it's a different connotation, a different expectation that Gerwig has. Well, I also and, think and it's I'm the not source material. It. The source yes. material is is a big part compared to those other movies you mentioned because those are original um, yeah. screenplays. Whereas this is like an iconic book written which I also can't believe that this book was written just post the Civil War, which it just seems so ahead of its time. Okay, I, so I actually had to look that up, but let's um, yeah. Unless you guys have more on on Gerwig, I'm sure we'll talk more about her. I mean, no, let's I want to talk about this movie in particular. Yeah, let's roll let's that into, into this movie this. because yeah. I would sug- I would like to suggest the fact that Louisa May Alcott is rolling over in her grave about the fact about how relevant this story still is. I mean. It's sort of painful how ahead of its time it was and how so little has really changed in 150 years. And I think that's another piece that, you know, Chapin, you touched on it, that lends to this movie's importance and makes it a bit more universal because, you know, the story does talk about a lot of things that we're still dealing with, you know, and by, by we, I mean society. I don't mean we as men. We're fine. Um <laughs> Um, and so yeah I mean I think you're right Jeremy like this is a very relevant movie yeah yeah and it's not only the relevance to how you can you know put today's standards onto a movie from eight you know from a story from like 1865 or whenever it was written um to me what was is so amazing about this movie and so universal and it's what was also more ahead of its time was just how empathetic and non-judgmental this movie is and it's not just to the women characters but to the men characters to all the humans in this movie yeah um which is it's sort of amazing it's sort of honestly ahead of our own time because it's it's not politicizing anything it's not judging really refreshing it's exactly i mean how how refreshing refreshing. was chris cooper in this movie like you know i want to loved what a good person he was i want to talk about chris cooper to be bad (laughs) yeah Yeah. it's a little off type for him you sort of set it up that way and and yeah and i want to talk about chris cooper because I'm looking at my fixies list coming up for best supporting actor, and he's not going to make it. But I want to give him the praise because I, I have know exactly like what you mean. Yeah, 15 people already <laughs> on this list right now. So I know at this point he's not, but he, I I loved him in this, and I I think I don't know. There's just something about these people caring for each other, all of them caring for each other. They still hurt each other. They're still mean to each other. There's all of that human stuff. But at the end of the day, there's this empathy and this love for one another that's not only um, on screen, but it's honest. It's honest and believable. And that's what sells this movie, and that's what this movie, why this movie was so amazing to me. It really had nothing to do with the fact that there's the female leads or the love stories or uh, the expectation of women. It's how they all treated each other, how these sisters interacted with each other, how uh, they weren't proper with each other. Like all those sort of details. Are amazing and 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 I think that's the essence of the story and that's the essence that Greta Gerwig gets across and her other than her decision on the you know how she shot it and how the editing is like 
getting that that across to the audience was her greatest accomplishment because that is the movie and that's what makes this movie so special. Yeah, it's a great well point. I mean, yeah, I, and because if you think about it, you know, and I had and I, I agree with you a hundred percent. I don't know if I even thought about it in such concise terms, but you know. There's very there's there's noticeable issues throughout this movie that I had in the timeline, which I think we're going to get into shortly. May have been one of them, but I also found there were moments where you could see her struggling with condensing this story into a two hour and fifteen minute movie, and and the the best example is is sort of the the scene between where um, Amy, played by Florence Pugh, burns Joe's Saoirse Ronan's book, and then they get in a fight, and then. And then Amy falls through the ice, and then she rescues her, and then they're friends again. In a 10-minute span, that's probably chapters in the book. And you could could feel it being condensed. You could see (laughs) the adaptation on screen. And I was like, okay, like, you know, for the most part, she's doing a really good job with this. But, like, this is very, very noticeable. And it's hard to blame a director for that. There's only so much they can do. There's, you know, there's only so many things they can cut and keep in and so on and so forth to make a movie. And I know that's difficult, but I was noticing those things. But I'm like... This is not mattering to me. Like, this movie is working. I am really enjoying these characters. I'm enjoying these relationships. I'm glad that they are now friends. Amy and Joe are now friends again. Right. You know, I didn't like when they were fighting. That that was off-putting uh, to me. And that's, so, that, that seemed, from what I understand... That's the point. The, yeah, that seemed to soften Amy's character a little bit. Like, in the past, she's been represented mm-hmm. as kind of a, like, ditz a little bit, but... Yeah, this, and very unlikable apparently. Yeah, very unlikable, and she's she is likable, and like you still feel how kind of awful but, that scenario. I mean, you feel it is. You do feel like that's a I, horrific act. Yeah, she and I still committed. think there's tension between them. I mean, obviously there's, you know, she marries or Amy marries Joe's, you know, Lori. Yeah, yeah, Lori, and so there's a you sort of understand the the past and why these two have been sort of at each other's throats for a while and there's that line where um Florence Pugh says you know you've I've loved you my whole life but you've loved Joe or something like that I'm paraphrasing of course but um mm-hmm. uh yeah no I mean I I think you put it really well Jeremy I yeah it, it was it was nice I mean I'm just you know I've got my list of fixy stuff up here and I'm a little concerned because I'd like to I don't. I don't have twenty best supporting actors <laughs> on here, so maybe I need to start seeing more movies. But, um, you know, I'm looking at it, and there's a lot of depressing, dark movies on here um, that were great. But, um, yeah, you know, Little Women stands out as being the sort of bright light in the sky there, and and I don't mind that at all. It was such a not to say that it's on one of, on my list or or not, but, um, I, you know, it was just. Like, you know, I'm an only child and I've always looked at, you know, it's, it's, I've always sort of envied, you know, having siblings. I've all, I always wanted a sibling growing up and, you know, seeing just the chemistry of these four girls, four women, sorry, but they were girls when we saw them for the first time, uh, what they, the four women have with each other and the kind of that, the warmth that their household had. Um, you know, it made me feel that same way when I was a kid. Like, God, I'd really like some <laughs> company growing up here. Uh, Damn it, man. You know I'm only having one kid. Like, this is going to make sorry. me feel bad. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. 
And I know you guys talk about that. He always going to turn out just like Chapin. <laughs> 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 um, but for uh, better or worse, yeah, I'll ignore that. Um, and so you know, like I, I, I always had that like a feeling, you know, of, of of wanting a sibling. And this, 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 I think she just demonstrates how like the best case scenario you could possibly have with a sibling, where these where these girls are just you know completely. Um, you know, talking over each other, and they've got this incredible chemistry, all of them. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I, I, I found that to be the most heartwarming part of this whole movie, and it was just infectious. You know, you just wanted more of it. And when they separate in the fla- in the, I guess what what is the current timeline, the the ten years later timeline, you know, you feel the loss. And I think that's what makes that so powerful, cutting back and forth, because you, 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 you. You remember you, throughout the film, you're reminded how how lovely it was for them. Yeah, and I don't want to make it like it's not all you know rose colored glasses no, on this either. Of like not. It, this movie also does you know deal with dark you know dark matters and you know strives between the siblings and 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 missed loves. Like it does do all that, but it just it it does such a great job at conveying the the caring for one another that and that's sort of like in the way they interacted with each other I, I i had to look up that this book was actually written around the time of the civil war and it made me feel better that people back then like you always think of times the back then it's like stuff, being, yeah. yeah like being the worst like you, you know because you get it, you get a scratch, and you know all of a sudden you have to cut your leg off. You know? <laughs> like it just seems like a horrible, horrible time to have been I mean, alive. There was but, scarlet fever. <laughs> well, no, it it did it did show that sort of stuff, but at the same time, they also, like you said, Lee, they dealt with a lot of the same. They were having the same joys and the same, you know, yeah, misery. Fighting over boys and yeah, it's just, like just like we do here on the Get Your Fan Picks podcast. <laughs> Right over boys, um, as we do today, and that's that. That was amazing to see. Okay, um, so how well or unwell did you guys follow the timeline of this movie? I had no, you, I really was it a had challenge? No I, I, yeah, I, think, I, I usually have an incredibly difficult time following it, but I thought they had subtle um, aesthetic changes in the haircut. The haircut, yeah, the haircut was helpful, the most notable, but, but also like. The flashbacks were sort of, I mean, rose-colored glasses. They were kind of warmer and brighter. Um, so for fuck's sake. So I had I had a bit of a hard time following the timeline flips. And that isn't to say it Surprise. took much away because I caught up and I saw those clues that she was giving us, which I thought was really smart. Um, but there were moments where it would be a few moments, a few minutes into the scene before I realized that we were 10 years ahead or we were 10 years back. So it was, it was something I left the theater with thinking, you know, not necessarily was this done poorly or not. Like it was more just, okay, this was an interesting choice she made to not really make it obvious that the timeline was switching that to, you know, insert some clues here and there so you could follow it, but not to make it very obvious. So I think that's a brilliant um, choice because it engages the audience. I like more it too. Makes yeah. You think, and I, I honestly didn't find it. Like it, maybe there was a half second where you're just like, where are we? Okay. I get it. Uh, it was never like to the point where it was purposely confusing or anything like that. 
I also think it just it it makes it so much more um, sort of like interesting to follow. That you know the I feel like these old timey movies can you can kind of get way down and 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 the film is very formulaic in this not the film but the story is formulaic in the sense that it's you know a happy ending and um you know you know kind of know where it's going in, in in a way but the i think the 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 back and forth cutting really just makes you either it kind of subverts it a bit does that make sense yeah. yeah, and I'm glad it wasn't linear. I think it was the right choice because, you know, one of you mentioned that, it, you know, it invests you in these characters much more to watch it this way. Um, before we get to the acting in this movie, the ending this. of this movie, and this really won't spoil anything, but yeah, I want to talk. ending of this movie is very meta. And I think yeah, that's... Yeah, it's the one thing of this movie I didn't love. So I didn't like it leaving the theater, um, but... After the fact, hearing, you know, listening to some podcasts and stuff and not necessarily hearing opinions on the movie, but hearing a little bit more about the book, I sort of appreciated what Gerwig did here because it's sort of like meta on top of meta because, you know, again, I I don't want to really spoil anything for anybody who doesn't know the story or hasn't seen the movie, but, you know, you do get an ending where Joe March, our lead, our essential lead, played by Saoirse Ronan, you know, sort of comes, gets to an ending that you don't, that isn't necessarily fitting for her character. But it's fitting for this book that she's writing, which turns out to be the story of Little Women, and that's the meta piece. So Gerwig sort of blends those two things and shows you this this Hollywood ending that isn't appropriate for Joe, but it's appropriate for the story. And you kind of watch those two things happen simultaneously. And I sort of liked the idea behind it. I don't know how well it was executed or if it was just maybe was just not quite there, but I, I really appreciated what was happening there, even if it wasn't really the the ending I wanted. But that's the point, isn't it? Like eh, I think it was too it was it was too that's the one part of this movie I thought was too nice, too convenient. Can we do, let's just um, say what it is because I feel like we're talking about it. We might as well. Well, well Joe March are you sells, talking about? Yeah. It's, to, yeah, it's all ahead. together, though. So she sells her book to a publisher, and he insists that the the character of Joe, essentially her herself, you know, falls in love and marries at the end. And you know, we have kind of come to learn about this character of Joe March that that's not her her path. That's not her story. You know, she's, you know, they, they talk a lot about, you know, being either married or being an old maid. And I think a lot of the point is that, you know, it's not that black and white. You don't have to be an old maid just because you're not married. You know, you can have dreams and aspirations that are something other than just being a wife. And that's that's Joe's story. But that doesn't sell. So he insists that this book that she's given him ends that way. And at the same time, we sort of watch her fall in love with this character we met very briefly earlier and you know run up run chase him to the train station and kiss him in the rain and it's like a very hollywood cliched scene but very intentionally shot that way and that's why i sort of grew to like it because it's sort of just meta on top of meta and like they it, the meta-ness cancels itself out and sort of makes it this comment instead which i liked 
but I'm with you. I get it. Like I hate when these like stories loop and all of a sudden you're watching the sto- watching the movie about the story that you've just watched. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, I could have done without that, and I, I also could have done if you extend that further to her making the school out of her aunt's house and then all the sisters working and living together. I was like, all right. that To me, even if it's trying to be mad, it's all trying to at be... The end. No, I, I mean, no, but the movie would have worked and been fine if, you know, even if Joe does fall in love and gets married and, you know, everyone sort of separates as people do, you know, as they get older, it would have been, that would have worked for me. I didn't need anything uh, I know, but, spectacular. It's it just, it, it in trying to be meta, it became too convenient to me. But, uh, but I think that was the point that Gur was trying I, to make. I think. And You're that's right. what I liked about it. I I I think it's almost better to not like how this movie ended, and that's unique. And having thought about it for a little bit, I think that's what sort of separates this movie from the pack. Like, I think to to end the movie the wrong way because you're commenting on the fact that movies are forced to end that way is smart Did and you- is risky. What did you think of making her the author of the film or the movie or the book? Now, it, like that piece, that's the piece. That's like the movie ta- making the loop. You know what I mean? Right. Like that, and that, I don't, that I'm not crazy about. Well, that I just I, remember that being my least favorite Seinfeld season when they started writing Seinfeld. Like that, oh, you know. I, like I just that feel, season. I like that. season. Ah, uh, well, yeah, that's that's ridiculous. Oh come on! That was that. That was one of the best seasons. They, it was the first All time right. they had an arc. Anyways, yeah, I would love the this point, podcast to just turn into a Seinfeld. <laughs> I I I, I kind of like that because going back to the uh, auteur idea of this film, like it does. I mean, I, I I'm usually not particularly a fan of meta ness of like you know I- exposing the sort of real world ways this film was made or w- whatever you may want to call it. But you know, I I like that that little exchange. Joe had with her publisher, you know, could have been mirrored in, in you know Greta Gerwig's discussion with the studio head with this. I mean, it's it's, um, I think it's hopeful in a way, and it it also it kind of speaks to the truth that we now know about Louise May Alcott, and that this was very autobiographical. And although the book Little Women does not include the fact that Joe wrote this, you know, it's understood that Joe is a, you know, a a figure that is supposed to represent. The, the author and right I like that and I think it, it kind of flows into it kind of makes this film a little uh, you know autobiographical for for Gerwig in a way okay well let's so let's talk about Joe a little bit let's talk well, about these performances well, so before we get to Saoirse Ronan so this is obviously we're in fixie season we've been at, at you know at careful, all costs avoiding careful. giving away too many opinions of things so I'm going to just go through I'm going to work work backwards sort of from like least significant to most significant with some of the the key characters in this movie the key actors in this movie and you know give me give us what you feel like you want to give us on the on the performances because they're obviously you know significant in this movie and important that we got good performances but you know you don't don't have to reveal more than than you feel like you want to but um uh, we'll start with Eliza Scanlon, maybe the least important of the four March sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, she plays Beth March. Um, Glad she I, died. I, I, <laughs> okay, Jeremy said his piece. I didn't really know anything about her um, 
at all. I'd never seen her in anything, as a matter of fact. Um, and I feel like her performance fit her role. It was yeah, relatively was insignificant. Was she was it. fine, but... Yeah, um, she's in that movie, uh, that show miniseries on HBO called Sharp Objects, and she's incredible in it. And I knew her from okay. that because I watched that, and she is incredible. I don't want to give too much away about that about that particular show and her role in it, but I would advise everybody to watch it. And she, to me, was like the standout of that. And that, you know, oh, I know you guys aren't particularly a fan of Amy Adams, but she plays that Amy Adams' sister, and I think you know outacts Amy Adams. Um, okay, we talked about. Uh, Chris Cooper already. We all really liked him in that. Chris Cooper. Um, let's skip Meryl Streep. We're gonna do top five Meryl Streep. Laura Dern. Forgot she was. Oh in my this. god, does she have to be in everything? Yeah, she's in. Okay. All, they they just pass her around in the. In Honestly, the this Gerwig is my of all of it. This is my favorite Laura Dern. Really? Really? I thought she was not forget completely forgettable. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th- I didn't like her in Marriage Story. I didn't. I actually really borderline disliked her in Marriage Story. Um, like I'm fine with her in uh, what a, what Big Little Lies. Uh, she's okay, what, but she's I'm sort of sick of that sort of performance. I actually liked her the most in this. Oh my god! This is, I like I don't even know how much we can get into this conversation. She's let's, like let's so. Who cares? Okay. <laughs> I don't care I about her at all. Yeah, I didn't care about her in this movie. I could have been played by anybody. Um, yeah, sure, I didn't. I didn't think. I, I didn't think she was great, but I also like. I think she had the empathy, and I think she worked in it. But that was about it. Okay, Emma Watson. I'm getting sick of Laura Dern. I guess is what I'm saying. Emma Watson is best known playing Hermione Granger in Harry Potter. Now that's the one I think anyone could have played that one. So, look, she is. She is among a lot of these. Um, franchise actors Daniel Radcliffe um, uh, what's his name from the lighthouse that was in Twilight that why am I just blanking on his name Robert Pattinson um, Robert Pattinson um, and Emma you know they're trying to escape their franchise roles so yeah, I would argue one them. of those pers- people have has done it considerably better than the others well Pattinson has done I think a good job Correct. I don't. I, I. But I also think he's trying the hardest and making the best effort. So, but anyway, uh, Emma Watson. You know, she she played Belle in the live action Beauty and the Beast. I think that was probably her next most you know significant role. And now here, my my biggest thing going into this was like, okay, I know what Saoirse Ronan can do. I know what Florence Pugh can do. I know Timothy Chalamet, Meryl Streep, Chris Cooper. Where is Emma Watson going to fall among these? In a, in a role that was supposed to be played by, um, what's her name? <laughs> Shit. Uh, this will uh, be helpful if you can remember her name. It will be. She was <laughs> she was in the favorite last year. Oh my god! I'm sorry. Um, Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, interchangeable. Um, look, I think she was what I expected. She fell short of the the higher tier of actors. Here. Yeah, if I had to rank the sisters, she's she's at the bottom. Yeah, she was no, which, but the thing that makes it sound worse than it was. That makes it sound sexier <laughs> than it is. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, well, I'm trying to stay professional here, okay? Because listen, guys, professionalism is, is okay. But that's I, what I want. I thought she was serviceable. I thought she was fine. Um, yes, and I, agree. I think I think that um, I mean I I agree that I would. Uh, that's where I would also place her. Um, I, I think this is like like historically the most boring part 
anybody has to play in, in um, of the four sisters. Like she's kind of the oldest, and um, but I think that there's a certain amount of sort of core talent that you have to have to hold your own in those you know rapid fire dialogue. Everybody kind yeah. of talking over and each other, and, and she yeah. was fine. And I thought she did. Yeah. She was serviceable. I think Emma Stone would have been a, a, a miscast for sure. But you know how yeah, I feel about I th- her. I agree. Um, all right, Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet. I thought he was great. Winner. You guys know how I feel about him. Winner. Best yeah. Fixie winner. Timothy Chalamet. Yep. Yeah, I thought he was great. Yeah, fantastic. Incredible. Um, perf- perfect for this role. And again, about- this coming from somebody I you know I don't know this character. I haven't read the book or anything, but he just sent, seemed so perfect. And I will, as much as we love Christian Bale. If I were, I, I feel like if I go see the other Little Women, I would say that Chalamet is better oh, in this role sure. than he is. The, can I, I? Yeah, I agree that we shouldn't talk about this in too detail because there's probably a lot of fixie uh, nominations here. But I just like he brings a modernism to the to this role that I think someone like Christian Bale, who like has to, you know, as you talked about, Jeremy, entry points, you know, would see yeah. the time period as an entry point, the accent as an entry point. You know, there's a modernism about Chalamet that works so well here. It just makes him so much more accessible, and it lends to the timelessness of this story. Yeah, right. It doesn't set you back 150 years. It brings that 150 year old story to present day, and to um, his mis- like to the mystique of that character too. And you get what the allure is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, all right, Florence Pugh, Chapin, someone you and I have been very high on this year. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think of her as Amy March? From my understanding, a very different uh, interpretation of this character, but that doesn't really mean anything to us. I really liked her. I did too. Me too. Okay. She was really Moving good. on. Moving on. <laughs> and finally, Saoirse Ronan, the lead Joe March. I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, right? What the fuck? Yeah, not very good. Yeah. Just, just <laughs> terrible. Terrible. Just awful. Awful. I don't think she's going to end up on any of our fixing no, lists, so we can just talk about it. Not. Um what was that thing? Oh, well, women are more than... <laughs> I, will, I will say this. So when we began this podcast back in 2010, there were two actresses um, well, that let's not forget. I think... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. That we were very, very high on. And they were Carrie Mulligan and, and Mia Vasakowska. Um, I think we're around the same age then that Saoirse Ronan is now, mid-20s. And I think we were looking at them as kind of the next generation of, you know, great women actresses. And, uh-huh. and not that they haven't done anything, but they have sort of both faded, especially Mia Vasakaska. Carrie Mulligan has popped up, but not nearly to the, you know, extent or acclaim that I think we were expecting. And now I think we have, you know, Saoirse Ronan maybe leading the pack, Florence Pugh. And then if you want to add a uh, uh, an actor in there, a male actor in there, Timothy Chalamet is of that same age group but I just I just like look there's a little bit of Wait. Lady Bird in Joe March yeah so maybe you could say okay well what is she you know does she have any versatility but it doesn't matter at this point with well I with I, and, I, I haven't seen Lady Bird and that's my that's my burden to bear um, I do want to see it I don't know why I've never caught up with it but for all the great things we've said about this movie so far and it's been a good amount of a uh, good amount of stuff we've said. Without her in this movie, this movie wouldn't be half of what it no. is. Correct. Agreed. I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but um, Saoirse Ronan was the first... I, I awarded Saoirse Ronan with the first fixie that she ever received. From Hannah? For Hannah. 
in in 2011. Dixie nomination. No, I think she. Nomination. I think she won. If it were up to me, she would have won. Well, yeah, that's not that's not Dixie's work. Well, it is. That is how it works. Um, Hannah is a movie I really want to go back and see because I remember liking her in that movie, but I, I just found that movie forgettable. And it's sort of amazing because, you know, I, re- I, when she popped up with Lady Bird, I was like, I remember Saoirse Ronan. That was the girl we couldn't pronounce her name from Hannah. And right. like, and then like, you just kind of forgot about her. And now she's, <laughs> now that she's 25, <laughs> 10 years ago, that was how she was 15 in that movie. I mean, that's nuts. Like, um, so yeah, I mean, look, like it's, I haven't seen Brooklyn. Um, yeah, I haven't either, but so I know she's got some other really, some other really great performances. Um, but let's leave it, leave it there. I know uh, again, uh, we want to, wait, do you uh, have, uh, you don't have accessible last year's fixie nominees, do you? I do. They're right in front of me, actually. It was Brooklyn last year. No, Brooklyn wasn't last. Brooklyn was bef- before we got back into the podcast. Uh, okay, never mind. Continue yeah, on. 2015. Um, okay, so that's what we got for m- the performance conversation. Anything else you guys have to add? About the movie? Yeah. Um, I will say this movie does have one of the worst casting decisions in the history of movies. What's that? Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, what was I mean, that? he looks the part, though. Like, if you were to uh, take a picture so of a guy from the Civil War... I, I, see, I don't know It should have well been enough, somebody you've didn't... never seen before. Hmm. Well, I don't want, it's I don't, not as bad yeah. as... And I didn't bring this up last last week, but it's, I don't think I did. It's not as bad as um, Benedict Cumberbatch in 1917. <laughs> oh, that seemed... That was fine. That was so distracting to me at that point. Last man standing. Um... That was fine. No, it was so weird. Like, that should have just been somebody you've never seen before. Like, why did that have to be, like, a, a half cameo of this, like, comedy actor? I, um, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't it wasn't that too much. Yeah, it was He was fine. You know, he was fine. Like, he was fine, and actually, oddly, I actually liked him, but he, and, like, I was, like, he was just, like, really genuinely, think, like, a good dad and happy to be back. But, um, all right. What else you guys got? That's it. Top fives. Oh, um, I do want to mention that this movie was shot in Massachusetts. Yeah, did you work? Uh, you, did you have the opportunity to work on this at all? I was not working on this at the time. I was working on uh, what was called then Wonderland, and what's it called now, Chavin? Spencer Confidential. Spencer Confidential. With, with Mark well, Wahlberg. Trailer the trailer released out. today. Trailer shot now. So instead of working on Little Women, one of the best films of the year, I was working on Spencer Confidential. Directed Sexist. by Peter Berg. Hugh German uh, was given the option too. Actually, it was. Were you really? <laughs> uh, yeah, I could have, but I had already started. It wasn't really an option. It was like I had already started on the other one. Yeah. God, you like this is this always a better movie shooting when you're working on a movie? It seems. You know what? I it's fine. I you know I'd rather just get the paycheck and yeah. <laughs> then watch the movie in the theater. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll end up skipping the. Uh, the other one, yeah, that's and true. I'll be happy. I, I I watch this one. I will say, I will say, y- you do have to take into consideration the fact that you would have viewed this movie differently if you'd worked on it, and maybe that's not a good thing. For sure, for sure. I mean, if yeah. you had and same time with that like one location. Out. Well, they did transform the back bay into New York and put dirt all over the road and wow, that's crazy. horse and buggies and all that stuff. So. 
Okay, so we are going to do our top five Meryl Streep performances. She plays a small supporting role in this movie. Um, the one person we haven't mentioned. The one person we haven't really talked about. I also, um, what did you think of her in this? I, I kind of forgot she was in it. Yeah, I honestly, like, not one of my favorite street performances. I mean, she wasn't She's showy. good. She's she always actually, good, but... she I, I respect her for taking sort of a back seat here. Oh, absolutely. I do, too, but... And but she is is a, it is a very significant role and it is a very um, I guess you know inflated character inflated ego char- type character and like what she has to say and her thoughts on the world are very important and play a big impact in how Amy and Joe view the world. So like she had to be in in the background a little bit because of you know her screen time and so on and so forth but at the same time when she was on screen she had to command the screen and be somebody that these girls kind of looked up to so yeah I, you know I, fine I, line to balance i don't think like it, it wasn't a problem for me but i i think that character might have been a teensy bit underwritten um maybe sure. there's some stuff on the cutting room floor of her as well like i i, I just she was a little underdeveloped for me and i don't know if that's street's fault um but you know. yeah, well, uh, and on that topic, one final question for you before we get to the top five. This movie is two hours and fifteen minutes long, so it's not a short movie. Yeah, but it is adapted from a very long book. How? It, just hypothetically, what's the longest running time you guys would have been okay with with this movie? Because I feel like it could have watched a longer movie, and I, you know, maybe some things would have worked a, a little better here and there, or was it just right? I mean, I was. I don't think too much longer. I, I yeah, will, I mean, look. I will say, putting together my list, uh, I would like to try to find some time on the very, you know, speaking of running times, uh, <laughs> yeah. on the on the fixies. To, I mean, there are just this this year especially just seems like it's. I know, like the Irishman has been criticized for it the most, but just a lot of really long running times on movies, and um, you know, as we review these movies, we want to, you know, I, I'm I'm sort of looking for the. 90 to 100 minute running times that I can wa- you know fit in. Yeah, get get as many in as we can. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um and yeah, I mean I am glad it was it wasn't any longer. I mean, I think at this point, you know, the shorter you can make it the better. Both those belts look exactly the same to me, you know. I'm still learning about this stuff and uh <laughs> this stuff. Oh. Okay. I see. You think this has nothing to do with you? You go to your closet and you select, I don't know, that lumpy blue sweater, for instance, because you're trying to tell the world that you take yourself too seriously to care about what you put on your back. But what you don't know is that that sweater is not just blue. It's not turquoise. It's not lapis. It's actually cerulean. And you're also blithely unaware of the fact that in 2002, Oscar de la Renta did a collection of cerulean gowns. And then I think it was Yves Saint Laurent, wasn't it, who showed cerulean military jackets. I think we need a jacket here. Mm. And then cerulean quickly showed up in the collections of eight different designers. And then it uh, filtered down through the department stores and then trickled on down into some tragic casual corner where you no doubt fished it out of some clearance bin. However, that blue represents millions of dollars and countless jobs. And it's sort of comical how you think that you've made a choice that exempts you from the fashion industry when, in fact, you're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room. 
from a pile of stuff. All right, so top five Meryl Streep performances. Um, guys, you want to do this uh, the way we've done in the past, where if it's on a list, we just mention where it is? Yep. Um, just because I think we may have some repeats here. Like, um, uh, I, I will. I will fully admit right up front that my list is not perhaps the list you'd expect. Um, part of that is some movies that I've missed in the past, but also I will I, just to defend my list a little bit. I do think that I like Meryl Streep in movies that aren't kind of the ones she's most famous for. Mm. And now I have some exceptions for sure on here. Um, but you know, I like her oddly in movies like Little Women. Is, even though I wasn't my favorite of hers, but I like her in roles like that a lot of the time, maybe even supporting roles more often than some of her, like, you know, juicy leading roles. Hmm. But anyway, turn it over to you guys. Jeremy, what do you got? Uh, all right. Um, so for my list, I guess my one caveat, and we <laughs> Chapin mentioned it to me in this text, is I had, I had seen all these movies, but I had to go back sort of check out some scenes on YouTube to sort of remind myself of where I'd sort of rank them. Um, But this is something I'd seen most uh, recently from her, other than obviously Little Women, and it's uh, the HBO show Big Little Lies. Okay. it's going to be my number five. I was... I, I I was gonna mention that was a cheat perhaps. That's it's my top, number two. It's top five performances. That's my number two. It's so good. Yeah, she yeah, is she's, so good in that. I didn't know we could do that. And what's and what's crazy about that is like I love the performances in that show from all of the women in it. Especially, and then that first season I'm like, God, like these these women are just like acting their asses off. And then Meryl Streep shows up in the second season and just fucking is so much better than all of them. Like, this isn't fair. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah she's so amazing. good. That's my number two. Ugh. Damn it. Okay. All right. Uh, one, two, three, four. Okay. Um, my, my number five. Hard to count to five. Well, okay. So I just have to say, uh, we we were texting about this back and forth and how I, I'm really embarrassed in my list. I, I went back and I looked at all um, of Meryl Streep's famous performances and I hadn't seen a lot of them and I'm really embarrassed to say that. And Jeremy brought up a good point that you guys used to have a um, uh, a, a, a section on this, a segment on this podcast called "Just Effing Watch It," and it was we would go back and look at a movie. We never did it when I was on the podcast, but go back, yeah, and, but blind and, spots, yeah, and look at you know movies that you wouldn't necessarily you know choose to watch on a Friday night um, that we haven't seen, and so we're probably going to go back and and do that, and whether it's a one segment or an entire episode, we'll figure that out. But, um, yeah, I think that's a good idea, Jeremy, because obviously there's a lot of blind spots here. But that being said, my number five is The Devil Wears Prada. Ah, what the fuck? That's my number one. Honorable mention. Well, it's your it. system where you have to reveal it, so I don't know why you're I know, but now my number two and my number one are already said, you assholes. Get, get better picks. Yeah. More I original. love her in The Devil Wears Prada. That might, if I had seen all her movies, that still might be my number one. I love her in that movie. Yeah. I actually also think that that movie's underrated. I agree. I think it's a great movie. I mean, I, I do think it's a really good performance. I mean, it's Meryl Streep. Everything's going to be good. But like, right. Um, and f- as far as my other picks go, like, you know, it's a, it's not. She, she's not given a lot to do except be a bitch. You know, and like that's her job is to kind of be the meanest boss ever and that's she's great at that that's fine i mean she's great at everything right, but like there's not like, a lot of how dimension cliche to is it. that and then she pulls it off yeah. with like such subtlety i would agree, and, I would agree. yeah um okay god damn it okay right, number, my number five right, is Lee, what do you fucking got? deer hunter 
Well, that's actually my number one. That's my number one, too. <laughs> nice. You guys, fuck you. Yeah. All right. So he sets the rules and then he complains about what happened. And then he just, <laughs> just gets so mad about it. Well, the yeah. reason it's my number one is because I, when we did the revisit, I just remember how good everyone was in this movie and then remembering how much better she was, yeah. that she was doing something different than, than everybody else in this movie. What you're saying is and it was me, a disappointment. The movie was a disappointment for the most part, but it, but you liked Meryl Streep. Well, Street. you're just wrong about Incorrect. that. Incorrect. Incorrect. Yeah. If you want to listen to our views on the- 100th Hunter, episode, you, yeah. I'd say 100th episode. Um, Shapin's incorrect in that one. Um, but yeah, and it, it blew me away and it really showed me like what she's capable of and, and, and the start of her career, really. It was the Deer Hunter. So Her first Oscar nomination, yeah. My that was before the Fixies, too, when Oscars were important. Number one. <laughs> yeah, before we were born. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think that's a great point. I, I love that she's, out of the re- all the rest of my picks here, She's this is the only film she's shy in. I think that's a really hard emotion to depict on screen you know being shy and not being kind of like too cute about it and she's shy yeah. and she's embarrassed and she's like is in this awkward position of being attracted to her boyfriend's friend is that that's the idea right i mean yeah. you know and um, or, or like very recent fiance i guess yeah. yeah and and you can imagine like especially right you know relatively soon after the vietnam war ended how easy it could be to fall into like a you know the sort of the guilty woman at home and 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 the kind of you know, the sort of performance that would elicit, but she's still like very subtle and seems very real. And, you know, it's funny when you watch someone react and it's not how you anticipated they would act as like someone, a woman who was, you know, close to Vietnam veterans and they do something different and, but it feels familiar, you know, it feels right. It's such a, such a great, Dude, does that make sense? Like, it's not what you expect, but it feels right. And it's like, man, that's so, that's so, Indi- an indication of a great actor to me. Great actor, great movie. Amazing movie, really. Oh, just all right. Next number fours. All right, my number four is Doubt. That's my number four. Uh, not a great movie. Yeah, not a great. I've seen. I, it I really like that that screenplay. I like the movie way more than you guys do. Then oh, I didn't apparently. love it. I just but this but you're but this is the point though. And sorry to step on you, but like that movie is for the actors. Which is fine. And, yeah, I mean, no, movies can do that, and they it, they can work that way. And I think this is a perfect example of uh, a film that does that. Yeah, it's 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 more about the dialogue. It's more. It obviously was a play beforehand, um, and it's about the acting. But to me, the story was engaging enough uh, because of these actors that uh, it was quite amazing. And Meryl Streep is 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 fantastic in it. And her just her. I mean, honestly, like. There, you're right. Like I'm not crazy about this movie, but I don't really know why because it is all about the actors. And when you have Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know, at the you know, arguably like within the you know, whatever year span at the peak of his career, and Meryl Streep just going toe to toe, like that's enough, right? That should <laughs> that should be enough. That's enough. All right, Chapin, what do you got? Uh, my number four is Marvin's Room. Never seen it. I So I have seen this, but God, I can't remember how long ago it's been. I, I can't remember a frame of this movie. Um, it's also a play um, that, that you I, were in, I right? was actually in. I played the Leo part you, naturally. You played Meryl Street. I played the Leo role, of course. Did well, you really? One of the many similarities I have with Leo. 
That's um, so awesome. <laughs> uh, yes, and so she plays a kind of like a bad mom, essentially. Um, and she's so good. And, of course, she just, like, lends that character so much more depth and layers than, you know, a normal actress the, the would. The typical bad mom. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, you feel for her. And she just reminds me of, like, someone specifically that I won't mention here. But, like, um, I don't know. Like, it's just so... You know, I think that that is the key to empathy and sympathy in films is like is 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 showing someone who is flawed, you know, maybe fatally flawed, but also just has depth and like is a real person and all their sort of flaws. And and I think, you know, she's so good at that. That's why she's America's. That's why she's good in Devil's Verdict Prada, too. Yeah. I mean, like it's sort of I mean, it's similar in that way. Yeah. Um, all right, yeah, my number four was Doubt mentioned. Do you guys want me you know to talk mean? more about my performance? And Actually, yes. No, I don't give us a line. We really should do is what, which was better, Leo or Chapin. Yeah, well. And we just play a clip from each and don't say who was who. Because <laughs> there's a clip that exists. Well, we can have yeah, him the film, do it the again. film sta- ad- adaptation of the <laughs> staged version of, from my high school of Marvin's room. <laughs> It's on Netflix somewhere. It's got. <laughs> it's true. Everything else is. We could do that. We could do that with um, Michael Fassbender. Both uh, we both played Macbeth. Who was better? Man, you you were in a lot of good plays. I don't want to be measured. We did compared such to him on every level, but at our high school. All right. So my number three is uh, adaptation. I thought about putting this on. It's my Susan number two. My number two. I really yeah, like her in this movie. This was the this was the role of hers that I'm like as great as she always is you're you're sort of so used to her stealing the show <laughs> yeah. whereas this one is like she she can be great and also be a sort of side character and 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 serve the story for what it needs and that's uh that's what I kind of took from her also with Chris in this Cooper movie. another Chris Cooper yeah he was amazing in this movie this is so. This didn't make my list, but this is the movie that like w- is my example of the types of roles I just really like her in. Like, this is not her most famous role. This would be like if you if people you know the average person listed her most famous roles, this would be way way down the list. But I just like her in these roles, like these, you know, because you mentioned it with Little Women. She knows when to step aside a little bit. She knows how. She knows she's the greatest actress perhaps ever. And she knows she can steal the scenes and the movie will still be good. But she also knows that there's a time where she's not supposed to do that. And it it benefits the movie and her performance. Exactly. Um, I I love what happens to her character. Like, she goes from being this kind of, like, soft-spoken author to this... I mean, they're, like, trying to kill him at the end of that movie, right? I just just can never understand how the real Susan Orlean signed off on this. <laughs> I really hope that we're still doing this. I've been saying it since 2001 this. when I saw this. We're still doing the podcast in two years so we could do a 20th anniversary of this fucking uh, of film. Of course we're going to oh, do it. Oh, man, yeah. this movie's so great. Um, all right, Chapin. Okay, my number yeah. three, be, uh, because I haven't seen any of her great performances, embarrassingly, is uh, The River Wild, directed by Sir Curtis Hanson. Oh, you know what? No, she's good in that. That movie's good, too. Yeah, yeah, she's great. Um, I forgot about this. Well, it's it's not a great movie. It's a great pick. I mean, it's a, I like it. I mean, it's no, fine, it's good. I guess, it's but. good, but it's kind of like your mid. It's literally came out in nineteen ninety five or ninety four. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that poster's amazing. Kevin, that, that yeah, cover. Kevin Bacon's the bad guy. Kevin Bacon and um um 
John oh, nerdy C. David Strahan and John C. Wright. Oh yeah, John C. Wright. David Strahan plays her husband. Yeah, who's super nerdy. Yeah, um, and like this she, movie's on TV all the time. It is, and like there's something. Um, there's you know she's very competent. She's going you know, like she just gives that movie all the depth that it has. But she's also like there's something kind of sexy about her that she's like conquered the river and like she does she like just doesn't overplay that. You know she plays that just enough so that you get the sense that like I mean there's this kind of weird sexual tension between her and Kevin Bacon and there's this like the relationship problems with her and David Strahan. Does Kevin Bacon ever have non weird sexual tension? <laughs> this movie was nominated for Golden Globes. What? <laughs> Was it really? For Meryl Streep and Kevin Bacon, both wow. been nominated for a Golden Globe. Wow. Probably um, in musical comedy. Yeah. So that's my number three. Curtis Hansen, LA Confidential. Yeah. Also with David Strahan. Um, yeah, that's a fun movie. It's on TV all the time, Jeremy. If you haven't seen it, just turn on any channel. I've never seen it. Um, okay, Chapin, my I'm going to see your The River Wild with one Sophie's Choice. Um, All right, so that's my number two, and that was that okay. one is the one in particular. That and uh, well, I won't mention the other one, but, but uh, were the YouTube ones. So look, With, this is this is her most famous performance, probably. This is not a very good movie. Is it um, not? It's not. It's not great. I really like. I odd, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I oddly remember it really well. Um, and it's not very good. I or I just really didn't enjoy it, but. This is, you know, as they say, a tour de force performance. Like, it's just so far in a way better than everything else about this movie that it's, I don't know if that's good or bad. You know what I mean? Do you think something like that makes the performance better, elevates the performance in a way because it's so distracting? Yes, I think so. Yeah. I mean, in a weird way because it's, it's so good and the movie itself is blah. Yeah. I do think that that makes a difference. I think it hurts the movie more than it you know can hurt the reputation of the performance but like you know i it there is something to be said about this performance is unbelievable but doesn't really elevate the movie all that much i mean i guess it does because it's given the movie significance and look maybe you can email us at feedback at get your film and tell me i'm not this movie's great but it's i really was just unimpressed with this movie the most famous scene of course, is when she has to make her Sophie's choice, um, and and basically choose which child she's going to keep and which one the Nazis are going to take away from her. But the movie is really about to give kind another of loving home. The <laughs> yeah, the the movie's really about you know post the Holocaust when she's now living in New York and kind of trying to live her life with this on her conscience. And because she's not a Jew in the movie, right? Awkward. Like, she's Polish. She's um, Polish. It's, it's this, this awkward love story between her and Kevin Klein, and like I, I just I just felt like the movie, you know, is this like it, it really tries to like highlight this character study that, and it just doesn't capitalize on it quite as well as I think it could have, you know, considering what yeah. the trauma she went through. Um, um, can I? But ask she you, did you let the, she pulls it off? I mean, obviously she pulls it off, but it's. Can I ask you? It's, so it's I, I think we've listed the rest of our picks, right? Because we in our in our system, mine was two was adaptation and one was Deer Hunter. Are we missing anything? Yeah, the only one I'd like to mention that I didn't put on here was Kramer versus Kramer. Right. But again, this was one I hadn't seen in so long that I just felt like I couldn't. 
so, quite justify it. I just think the question that you bring up, Lee, about about Sophie's Choice is really interesting, and it's something that's on my mind because we've been thinking about the Fixies. And this year, I don't know about you guys, but to me, I'm really only nominating – I mean, it's I'm not nominating movie uh, uh, performances of movies that I didn't like. Um, and I don't mean to be a – per- A performance from a movie that you didn't correct. like. Correct. Like, I, gotcha. I, I think yeah. – what I, you know, we we've talked in the past about dividing these categories. Why you're not going to nominate for Judy? No Judy, no Joker, and that's just because like I I I really think like in all these categories that they really need to serve the overall good of the of the movie. And how do you justify putting something on there that doesn't do that? You know, and I think that's yeah, a great example. A hundred percent agree. With this with Sophie's Choice is like I mean it's I'm sure it's a great performance and that might be what people remember for us. it certainly seems from everything I've read online that's the case but if it's not a good movie like what's who cares uh, I think there's still merit to it and you're still acknowledging somebody doing something okay. great are you just trying it's to really explain why you have Joaquin Phoenix on your on your list Jeremy well I also like Joker better than you guys did so I he's gonna I, have, he's I'm, gonna give it eleven nominations. I'm justified in putting it as my number one movie of the year. So. <laughs> that's that's one thing I do wanna I wanna make sure that we have um, by the by by the end of the fixies. I want to know what got the most nom- what movie got the most nominations too. Mm. Oh, that's we'll true. have we to send that, that to the to our um, yeah. We can ask uh, the, our company. Let's Let's our company. Yeah, Lee, you should yeah so we, we we've um, we have uh, commissioned a a company. You guys have to know the name of the company. We'll have to touch base with them. Um, uh, it's a, it's like a Palm, like Palmer, Palmer or something. something. Yeah. Associates. Um, Palmer and Associates. We've uh, we've commissioned Palmer and Associates to basically uh, handle all the nominations and and basically, you know, give us the winners of all the Fixie Awards. Well, they've all they volunteered. In, which in is envelopes. Very yeah, they volunteered. I mean, that shows you how how how. You know, big normally their fee is is astronomical. So guys, I, uh, yeah. I I left you off the emails to this, but I made very clear to these people that they m- are not allowed to take any celebrity photos backstage. We don't want another moonlight oh, yeah, uh, situation here. You know, we want everything. There's this isn't a, this is a real. This is very important. Yeah. No. And he 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 they I say he the 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 representative that we've been speaking to, but he assured us that they will obviously you know handle this with you know considering the responsibility that they've been given um basically they, they you know if you haven't put two and two together they they will have all of the nominations before we will even know them wow um because you know we'll each we will all send them to to them so they can compile the points and and send and and put the winners in envelopes that we can open on the fixie show um what I love we won't even know no and and, and and they will, which is that's unreal. That's that's unprecedented. What I love about this is that the Oscars, you know, they don't release the votes. You know, you don't know. God did uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know, come in second with what, only right. one vote. They don't release the numbers, but you know, you can do the math on the fixies. It's all everything's above board. You know, you yeah. can sit there and figure it out yourself if, you, if you'd like. No preferential balloting. Absolutely bullshit. not. Okay, so. That with all that said, that will wrap things up for this again. Pretty regular edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I've been Lee Carlo, Chapin Hemingway to my right, Jeremy Fist to my left, and uh, email us at feedback at getyourfilmfixpodcast.com ASAP with either 
just regular email or a voice recording of your Fixie nominations, your favorites of the years in all the categories. We'd love to hear them. We'd love to play them on the podcast. What we should miss. Out on, yeah. Yeah. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook. Um, do people still go on Facebook? I posted something on Facebook the other day and it has two views. I don't think so. So check us out on Instagram. Uh, we've been trying to keep content going on there, getting everybody excited for the Fixies. And uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, wherever you listen to your podcasts, find us there. Rate us, review us. We'd love that. And, guys, I don't know what we're doing next. I mean, we're so excited about the fixes, we kind of just don't care what else is out right now. So I mean, I suggested a just effing watch it where we sort of visit for the first time a blind spot we have in our cinematic canon. And there's a lot of them. I mean, there's, there's movies that from... Maybe some Meryl Streep. <laughs> <laughs> some Meryl Streep performances, something like that we've all not seen and we've been a, not avoiding, but just haven't gotten around to to watching. So I think that's worth doing. Yeah, we'll definitely think about that. Um, uh, fixies are coming up less than a month away, I would imagine. I, I guess the date hasn't been set yet. We're waiting to hear back uh, oh, also it, from Palmer and Associates. And, it better you know, be all, unless a lot of log- lot of logistics to uh, schedule these things. There's some, there, there are some networks that have been in touch with us, but we're really not thinking about going down that road. Um, yeah, well, I mean, red carpet itself is not easy to find this time of year because of all the true. other award shows. That's yeah. true. And my suit needs to get back from the, from the cleaners. There. So, Why would you do that? Why is it going <laughs> to take a month? What did you do to your suit? <laughs> don't worry about it. Let's just, let's just wrap it up, okay? We're wrapping this up. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee.